Kendra. And I'm Megan, and this is the His Beloved of Texas podcast. Kendra and I are two moms that live across the street from each other and have 10 kids between the two of us. We're just trying to live our Catholic life and faith together. We want to bring stories of how the Lord has moved in people's lives to give you hope that He can move in yours too. Hey guys, and welcome to our very first podcast. Kendra and I have been uh, dreaming about this for a long time. I'm Megan Copeland. And I'm Kendra. Hello. I like how we both waved at you like you can see us. <laughs> we're, we're currently looking at the mic and seeing you. You are you are our people within the mic. And we're waving at you. <laughs> I feel like you should all be able to see this room because I am sitting here with a sleeping baby in my arms and Kendra is rubbing her dog, trying to keep both of them very quiet during our podcast. Yes, and my dog's barking collar just died. So we're just gonna try to keep things calm and quiet and see how it goes, but this is life as it is. Yeah, we're know? real professional. And we have a house that is empty with no kids in it right now, which is kind of a miracle, so. Com completely a gift from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it is. Our kids had their very first day of school today, so that is also a gift. We're really excited about it. So. What is the His Beloved of Texas podcast? Why are we here? What are we doing? Um, Kendra and I and a few friends a couple of years ago started a ministry called His Beloved of Texas. And it's a ministry where um, the Holy Spirit has just called us to put on fun worship events and little mini retreats that give women a chance to encounter the Lord. We believe that everyone just needs to sit in the presence of Jesus, to sit at his feet, to listen to him, to hear from him, and to have fun and grow in community and friendship with others. Yeah, yesterday we were actually um, driving to Costco, the two of us, and we won't tell you how much we spent, but <laughs> we uh, were driving and we were talking about the podcast and just life, and Megan just said, you know, everyone, I think she was talking about the students um, in her daughter's class with distance learning and, and how everyone's has this desire to be seen and known and heard. And that just resonated with me because that's been pretty much the root of our ministry of how mm -hmm. it all started. And we came together with our friends, um, all from different backgrounds. We go to different parishes and different experiences. But when one of them said, Hey, let's have a worship night for women to gather my heart just exploded. Megan's heart just exploded. Our other friend's heart just exploded. And it was completely the Lord just slowly working us together at the right time, right place um, to get this moving forward. And it's been a very fun adventure. And so now our next adventure is to start this podcast. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm a total podcast junkie. How many times a week do I say, hey, Kendra, did you hear this on this such and such podcast? You have to listen to this. Yes. I don't know. It's where I hear God the most now. Yes. And, and you that turned seems me weird. on to them too. And it's, it's very, it's beautiful because you just get to hear directly from this person and there's no filter. And um, yeah, it's yeah, been there's very no, fruitful for me too. There's no like big corporate saying, oh, you can't say that. Or mm -hmm. it's just, let's hear real people talk about real things. Mm -hmm. And and with the ability to to have time to talk and not feel rushed. So that's what we want for this podcast. We want it to feel like you're hanging out with us. We're best friends. We live across the street from each other. And you're our friend now too. We wanted to hang out and talk to you and give you an opportunity to hear the Lord, to let him speak through this podcast to you. Um, so these first couple of podcasts, you get to hear from each of us. We're going to tell you our story. Um, and then we're going to invite some fantastic guests to come on and show us how they've seen God, 
What does it look like to have God work in your lives? I think that's a big question for a lot of people. What does he look like? What does he sound like? How do we know if it's God or if it's me? And the way that we can do that is by hearing other people's stories. We know what he looks like in our own lives. So we want you to hear amazing stories of the glory of God. Yeah, definitely. So I think we should begin. So this is how we're going to begin our podcast with our guests. So we're going to ask them some fun questions to get to know them. So since Megan is going to be sharing her heart with this first episode, I get to be the lucky one to ask her some questions. Yeah, I'm scared. Um, <laughs> so let's do the first one. So if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, I want to bilocate. Where would you, what, what, what would no, be no, your dream no, wait. bilocation? Oh, wait, I didn't mean bilocate. That's not the right word. I want to teleport. Teleport. I mean, bilocating would be kind of cool too, I guess. That you would be a saintly. Both. You could be I a teleporting, bilocating yeah. saint. Yeah. I want to teleport so I can be like, I'm going to go see Rome today and then like hop over to the Pope and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to go visit this friend here and I'm going to go to the Holy Land. I think why is because I have this like great desire to go on pilgrimages, but I'm scared to death of flying across the world. (laughs) I may never, ever get there. But if I could just blink my eyes and appear. (laughs) You should see her right now. (laughs) My eye blink. Okay, so it just cut off on us. Megan had this really weird look on her face and... Her eye was doing something. It was really goofy. <laughs> Wish you could have seen it. Um, but we've been having technical difficulties yeah. quite a bit. We're so just you know, talking and there's yeah. no recording happening. It's good times. <laughs> yes, and that happened more than once. Um, so we know we're on the right path, right? If you don't meet the dragon on the road, you're on the wrong road, <laughs> as our dear friend says. So moving on with questions. So Megan, what was your favorite toy to play with when you were little? Oh, my favorite toy was a Popples. Do you remember those? No. It was like this little bear, I don't know, and you could fold its body in on itself and it made a, I don't know, it sounds weird when I'm saying it. (laughs) It like had a pocket and it held its little legs in. Oh, fun. I'm going to have to Google that. Or glowworm. Oh, I love glowworms. And Care Bears. I like Care Bears. Ooh, I have a story of Care Bears for another day. (laughs) Um, Yes. I thought the Care Bear Steer could actually do something. <laughs> and you tried to use it? We tried, yes, on the <laughs> playground. My friend was being mean, so I got all my other friends. Oh. Care Bear Steer! <laughs> Not my friends. Um, oh, okay, funny. another question. If you could put yourself into the story of any saint, whose saint story would you put yourself in? Oh, that question is... It's so hard for me all the time because I love all the saints. Um, so I'm like toying in my mind with St. Therese or St. Augustine. I'm going to go Augustine. Um, can you imagine? Actually, maybe it's Monica. Maybe it's St. Monica. <laughs> but can you imagine being there when Augustine had his conversion? Yeah. Can you imagine watching Monica, St. Monica's mama heart praying and praying and praying? And how many people do you think she went to and said, I'm praying for my son for his conversion? And they said, there's no hope. Yeah. It'll never happen. Give it up, lady. I mean, the the way she just held on to that for yeah. so long. But then to be near St. Augustine when he realized that, that Jesus was real and he first felt the Holy Spirit for the first time, and then to watch his heart change so quickly into this man who was just running after God. I don't know. I've always had a great connection to St. Augustine because so much of my story, he, he just reminds me of being that lost person and um and then feeling god for the first time yeah yeah it's amazing that is amazing well speaking of your story let's go there shall we all right let's do it what has god been doing 
in your heart and in your life. So, um, I was not raised Catholic. I was not raised in any type of faith necessarily. And uh, so I know what it feels like to live without the Lord. And I know what it feels like to live with Him. And one of my favorite things right now, and has been for the last couple of years, is to just dream with God. Mm-hmm. And like this podcast has been a dream for me. Um, but I have these like visions of the Lord and I dreaming together and of us running together and Him saying like, okay, now I want you to love this person. I want you to do this. And But I also know what it was like to not have Him at all, to not... Um, to just kind of live for the world and live for the ways of what's the next thing that's going to make me happy? What's the next thing that's going to bring me joy? And of course, none of it ever did. And so in college, I was like a broken, hurting girl. And my best friend had this huge conversion in college. And she went from being this like kind of wild gal (laughs) to like living with this joy that I had never seen. I didn't even know it was possible to have that kind of joy. And she was so kind and so loving. And she turned around so many different parts of her life and became this just really virtuous young girl. And she was, what, 25 maybe? And I said, I don't know what she has, but I want that. Like, I want some of that. And then I remember she posted on MySpace, like (laughs) back in the MySpace days, her status said, our hearts will be restless until they rest in him, which we know. That was St. Augustine, yes. I didn't know that at the time. Who was St. Augustine? I don't know. And uh, I thought, well, my heart's restless. Like, I want it to rest. So if, if she's found rest, I want what she has. And at this point, I was married. I married a Catholic guy. And we had our wedding in the Catholic church, and we did all the things we were supposed to do. And in fact, I remember being, like, kind of angry about having to have a wedding in the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get married at my church in my town, but his mom really, really pushed us to do that. And it's probably the thing I'm most thankful for her is that she said, no, I want you to do this. And I think graces came from that. I think there was something about having a church wedding and, um, about the sacrament, even if we didn't know what it was, there was graces that were poured on us during that time. And, uh, so I was about ready to walk away from the Catholic church altogether. I, I didn't feel like I fit in there. I tried to join a Bible study at the church near us. I won't say which one. And Chad called the church office and said, my wife would really like to learn more about the Lord. Can she join the Bible study? And they said, well, she's not Catholic, so I don't think so. And I was floored. Like, don't ever do that to people, y'all. Like, it's not cool. We will always, always welcome you. No matter where you are in your faith journey, come, please, show up. And that moment was almost enough for me to walk away forever. And I'm sure that was just, you know, the enemy trying to keep me away from the church. Mm -hmm. Um, But luckily I didn't. And Chad said, one more time, just give me one more shot. And he started learning as much as he could about his own faith and started answering my questions, which I had like 7 million and they were awful. (laughs) I asked every (laughs) terrible question you could think of. So if anybody's asking you like really pointed, mean Catholic questions, answer them, keep moving forward, keep praying for them because the Lord did a number on my heart. Um, man, I was mean. Anyways, so he asked me to go to a retreat with him. And this retreat was called Christ Renews His Parish. And I remember he went the week before, two weeks before me. And I was so mad that weekend. I didn't know where he was, why he'd been gone all day, when he was coming back. He didn't have his phone, so I couldn't call him. And he walked in the front door that day. And I was like, just kind of a ball of ur. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he just started bawling. Wow. And I was like, 
I've never seen this man cry in my whole life. What happened to my husband? What did they do to him at that scary place? <laughs> and um, and I was almost like mad. I was mad at that he'd had this had this experience that I didn't understand because I'd never felt anything like that. I didn't know what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that's where those tears came from. Um, I just didn't get it. And of course, he couldn't tell me anything because everything's like top secret, right? <laughs> but I'm like, why are you keeping these secrets from me? <laughs> oh, I was a mess. And um, But I went two weeks later, and this desire that I had to experience the Holy Spirit happened in that place. And it happened in a Catholic church, which was like, I thought that would never happen. Mm. Um, and I didn't understand most of it. I didn't know why we were kneeling in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I, there was things I could never have understood at the time, but I felt his presence in that space. Mm. I knew he was real, and I wanted more of it. Did you, did you feel the difference or did you feel it and know it's the Lord? You know what I mean? Like, did you, did you have this inner feeling and it was just, oh, what am I feeling right now? Or did you? I knew the Lord was there yeah. and I knew the Lord was working in my heart. Yeah. I don't know that I knew he was present on the altar. Gotcha. You know, I hadn't gotten, yeah. and it took me a while to get mm -hmm. to that point to be able to say he's here in this room. Mm -hmm. But I knew that that peace that I had been longing for, that hole in my heart was in that place mm -hmm. and that God had given it to me there and I remember I went home and I'd never prayed in my whole life like I'd never said an out loud prayer <laughs> I didn't even know any rope prayers for that matter and I didn't know how to pray but I would sing that song from jars of clay um love song for a savior I want to mm. fall in love with you I would just sing it over and over I want to fall in love with you I want to fall in love with you it's like I don't know how to fall in love with you I don't know what that should look like I don't know what yeah. it sounds like I don't know how to read scripture but I want it I'm in Lord and he just did all the rest. Mm -hmm. Like all I had to do was just to be open and have the posture of receiving. And he gave me everything else. Um, I always tell teenagers, like, he's just sitting there waiting. I just I always picture Jesus, like, kind of right over my right shoulder. Just, oh, can you hear little baby? Sorry. Right over my <laughs> right shoulder, just like saying, turn around. Like, I'm right here. I'm right here, y'all. <laughs> just pay attention. Like, I'm so ready. And all we have to do is just turn towards the Lord. And he does the rest. Like, he's just so ready to swoop in and fill our broken places and to love mm -hmm. us in a way that we don't even know. Like, I'd never known that kind of love before. I'd never known that kind of acceptance and grace and forgiveness and, mm -hmm. and peace and beauty. So from then on, I was like... <laughs> on fire for the Lord. <laughs> Get out of person. my way. Here I come. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I love that. Um, and I was, I was just 100%. I was all in. I was, and I became Catholic a year later and my daughter got baptized at my confirmation, which was fantastic. And, uh, and I just wanted all of it. I wanted whatever God had to offer. I became a youth minister and, and just fell in love with um, evangelization and prayer and all of that. And then while I'm walking this journey of just loving God and um, raising my family and everything, we had some some um, suffering. Suffering hit our family. And, and it was a weird kind of in between because there were times where to the outside world, everything looked normal. And Kendra lives across the street from me, so she knows these things. <laughs> it's kind of funny telling her the story because like, yeah, you've lived this. You've been there. Yeah. Um, but at this point, she didn't even really know um, because we didn't tell anybody. We kept it very secret, mainly because I was afraid of what people would think, um, but 
also because the enemy had told me I couldn't say it out loud. And if I said it out loud, then people would judge me and no one would understand. So I'd better keep it a deep, dark secret and not tell anybody. Um, but when my daughter was three years old, um, she's cute and spunky and fun. It's my second daughter. She all of a sudden changed overnight. And she went from being this sweet, kind, compliant little girl to angry, violent, aggressive, would not leave the house. And I didn't know why. And I was a teacher at the time, and I was the one that they gave all the behavior kids to. And I could not figure out my own kid to save my life. And the worst part about it was it only happened in my home. It never happened outside, never happened at school, or with grandparents or anywhere but with me. So the enemy picked at that lie, and he said, it only happens in your house because of you. You have done this to your daughter. You have created this in her, maybe because, you know, you had ignored her. It's because you have a new baby. It's because, you know, it's, it's your parenting. And then I would hear that lie from other people. I would hear them say, oh, well, you know, it's because you have too many kids. She was our middle child of three. And I was like, too many kids, y'all. I'm Catholic. Like, my friends have way more kids than I have. <laughs> and I remember looking at other people, like even Kendra, and being like, how come, how come her kids are all nice? She's got more kids than I have. <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> what am I doing wrong? Um, surely it's possible to raise three children and have them all be loving and kind. Um, Which yours are very much. They so. are. They <laughs> so are. But um, anyway, so things, we just kept it a secret yeah. for a long time. And it got worse. And it got worse. And we tried everything you could think of to fix it. We tried sticker charts and therapy and all sorts of stuff, and nothing was getting better, and it was just getting worse. And when she was seven, she started saying things about how our family would be better off without her mm. and um, making comments about suicide. And trust me, like it's terrifying to have a kid that has mental health issues. Um, it always scared me so much to put her on medicine. That was the most terrifying thing. I don't know why now, looking back, but to hear your child say things like that, there's just no, like, there's nothing worse. And so I called the pediatrician that day, and she said, do not come see me. You go straight to a psychiatrist. Go now. So I um, called the psychiatrist, and I was so scared. Oh, I was so scared. And during all this time, I had this beautiful relationship with God. Like, he and I would talk to each other, and he would console my heart, and I would just pour my heart out to him. And I would write, and I would write in my journal. And it's not even, like, legible. When I start praying, you can't even understand what I wrote. And um, I would just pour my heart out. And I made this appointment to go see the psychiatrist. And I remember I woke up that morning, and I was sitting in my bed next to my husband, and I was reading the daily readings on my phone. And I read a scripture that I probably would have just ignored in the past because... It's kind of creepy, <laughs> kind of scares me. <laughs> Maybe not one that would have like spoken to my heart in the past, but man did it that day. And it was the story of the woman who brings her daughter to Jesus. Mm. And her daughter has been possessed. And, and not that I think that's what happened to my daughter, but I know what it feels like to look at your daughter and not see her there anymore. Mm -hmm. To have lost who she is and have something else take over. And this woman brings her daughter to Jesus. And she's not even supposed to be like one of the people who, you know, like she's not a, a Jew. She's, she's an outsider. She's not someone should even be approaching the Lord. And he says, woman, because of your faith, your daughter has been healed. And he heals her in that moment. And I heard him whisper to my heart that day, I'm going to heal your daughter. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe it. And I was shocked. And I cried. 
And I thought about like waking up Chad and like hitting him over the head. And, and then the Lord said, no, this is just for me and you. Like just sit here in this moment and receive what I have for you. So I went into the doctor's office that day, still scared to death. Like it gave me a little bit of peace, but I was still so tense and so worried. And because I had no idea what she was going to say, you know. And she said, your daughter has anxiety. And I was like, anxiety? My kid is fearless. Like nothing scares this kid. Kendra knows. She's mm-hmm. like, she'll be like, um, Livy's at the top of that tree and she's going to fall out of it. You might want to go stop her. Let's not break bones today, yes. sweetie. How many bones has she broken? A lot. Um, and that's just not who she is. She's not a fearful child. She's no. not someone who sits in the corner and is like, oh, And socially, I'm too. I mean, she's not a socially she's, fearful no. kid either. She's just out there and funny and witty and. Yeah, and she loves spunky. deeply and she cares yeah. about other people. And she's just. This, she lives hard. Yeah. She's a big All personality. In. And that just didn't make sense to me. And she said, Well, sometimes anxiety looks different in kids. It's not always fear, it's not always withdrawn. Sometimes it can be fight or flight and it can look like fight and my little one was all fight Mm. but she was living with this intense fear so I want you to think about for a minute if you were like driving down the highway and all of a sudden an 18 wheeler cuts in front of you like that feeling of adrenaline rushing from your toes to your head and everything is in pain and your heart's beating fast and your head hurts and your stomach feels like you're about to throw up she said that's what she lives with every single day of her life that's what every day feels like all day I can't either and so in order to handle that type of constant adrenaline rush, she was just all anger all the time. Poor baby. So they put her on some medicine, and she started to get better for a little while. And um, about three months later, my sweet, sweet, amazing little man, um, who loves his mama more than anything on the planet, changed overnight too. I can tell you where I was sitting. I can tell you what it looked like, what it sounded like. He was in my lap crying saying we're going to lose our house the house is going to burn down we're going to be homeless we're never going to we're not going to have anywhere to live and he was saying it over and over in a loop and I rocked him to sleep that night in my arms and because he was not going to stop like he just nonstop. and then he became angry and aggressive and violent and and I'd seen this before I knew what this looked like you know and and all those people that had told me that I hadn't attached to Livy and that was the problem well, I had attached to Eli. Mm-hmm. I had. I held him to go to sleep every night. I love this little boy. I'd given him everything. There was no way I could have I could have not loved him. Or I could have, you know, caused this in that way. And, and then I heard, well, it's because you coddle him. It's because you loved him too much. And I was like, how could I not have loved this girl and loved him too much? Yeah. There's just, this doesn't make sense. So they put him on anxiety medicine too. Now, if you think it's scary to put a seven-year-old on anxiety medicine... Four-year-old was like way worse. (laughs) I could never imagine putting a four-year-old on medicine like that. And during this time, I had heard of this disease called PANDAS. Um, It stands for Pediatric Autoimmune (laughs) Neurological Disorder Associated with Stress. Every time I say that, it's like, wears me out. (laughs) Anyways, so at the time, it was like this very unheard of, very rare, like one in a million kids. I don't know, not that many, but whatever. And um, there's... But it causes these kids to suddenly change overnight. And the Mm. immune system attacks the brain, and it creates swelling on the brain that um, produces psychiatric symptoms like anxiety and aggression and depression and all these things. And I started to wonder, could my kids have that? And my husband said, no, 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 let's just stay with what we are. Like, let's not be the parents that are, like, chasing down every diagnosis. We'll just leave it. So I let it go. 
And then as this year goes on, I started to watch my daughter like it was like her brain was out of control. She would start falling. She was she lost her motor control. She just wasn't herself. And I kept saying it feels like something's attacking her brain. Mm. It feels like something's attacking her brain. And, and people kind of were like, oh yeah, no, whatever. She's she's okay. And they would just kind of brush me off. And still, all through at this point, we still had not really told the general public what we were struggling with. And um, this was the year of 2007. It was the year of, not 2007, 2017. Goodness. <laughs> like, Wait a second. How old am I? <laughs> I have not had kids that long. Okay, 2017. And it was the year of Our Lady of Fatima's 100-year feast day. Now, even though I wasn't raised Catholic and I'm still new to all this, at when my kids were little, somehow we got our hands on an Our Lady of Fatima movie. Now there's like the new fancy version, right? This was like the old black and white terrifying version. Have you ever seen that one, Kendra? No, I haven't. Oh, it's real scary. Is it? <laughs> real, real scary. It, like to the point where when the kids are being questioned by the police, they like lock up the two little ones. And they have they have um, the older one, what's her name? Uh, Lucia? Yeah. yeah. They have Lucia in the other room and they're telling her, we're going to boil them alive if you don't tell us that Mary's not real. And then they do something and, like, hit the wall and make the kids scream. So she oh. thinks they're being boiled alive. <laughs> Anyways, it's real dramatic. But for some reason, when my kids were, like, three and four, they loved this movie. It was so funny. <laughs> and we watched it, like, 37 times. <laughs> it was back when you used to, like, order Netflix movies in the mail. Oh, yes. And so I just kept it forever, and we watched oh, it yes. over and over. And then we finally sent it back to Netflix. Good job, Netflix, for yeah. offering yeah, for having Catholic Fatima. movies, yes. right? So for some reason, even though I never really understood Mary and I never really understood how she worked in our lives, I had this love for Our Lady of Fatima. She just seemed like, like it was a really cool story. Um, the way she loved those kids, the way mm -hmm. she made the Sundance, there was just something about it. And I thought, you know, Our Lady of Fatima's feast day is 100 years. Like that doesn't happen That's often. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And I don't know about you guys, but I love Lent. And sometimes in Lent, I go like all in. <laughs> I'm like, I can handle anything. It's lit. Let's do all the things, Lord. That's kind of my motto, all the things. So that year, I decided to join this thing called the Nineveh 90, and it was a 54-day rosary novena followed by a 33-day Marian consecration. Now, I never actually prayed two rosaries in a row and somehow decided to pray 54. <laughs> go big or go home. Right? I'm like, I'm all in, dude. Like, this is happening. And actually, one of the reasons I did it is because I remember talking to you, Kendra, and you saying that you had prayed a 54-day rosary novena and that it had been life-changing and that mm -hmm. the, that Mary had shown up for you. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, if she shows up for Kendra, she can show up for me. Amen. <laughs> and Lord knows I need someone to show up right now. And so, um, but the cool thing about the 54-day Rosary Novena is the first half you pray for a special intention. And then the second half you pray in thanksgiving for that intention, even if it hasn't been answered yet. And I don't know that I ever pray that pointedly for something like mm -hmm. I did during those 54 days. And I, Kendra had also given me the book, um, The Life of Mary According to the Mystics. And I still had some hang-ups about Mary. I still wasn't sure how to love her really well. Um, it just still seemed a little bit off to me as a former Protestant and at the beginning of this book Jesus is speaking to one of the mystics and he says and these are my words not Jesus's but he <laughs> basically says like this is my mother I love her more than anyone on this planet and I want you to know her and love her the way I do and I was like all right Jesus that sounds good if you think that I'm in I'm in let's do this so I um I decided to start praying this novena 
and I'm praying 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 and my kids get in on it and we're praying it every night. And near the end of this, I started to get kind of frustrated with it. Like it had taken up my position of journaling with the Lord. Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to do both, you know, and I was starting to feel like this is tedious and long and blah. And, um, but then a miracle happened and I can only call it a miracle. I mean, there's no other way. Yeah. There's no other words to describe it. But on Our Lady of Fatima's feast day, I had a friend who was going to Fatima, and she said, would anybody like prayers? And I was like, ooh, I've been praying this. You know, she's going to be there. And so I send her a message and tell her about my kids. Of course, she's shocked. She has no idea that we've been struggling with this. Mm -hmm. And she takes our prayers to Fatima, and she meets Sister Lucia's niece and prays in the place where Mary appeared. My heart just stops thinking about it. And um, on that same day, my sister-in-law, who is a PA, gets a phone call from her best friend. Her best friend just moved back from New Zealand and is looking for a job, and she takes a job at one of the only specialists in all of Texas for pandas. And I was like, did you just say she works for a pandas doctor? <laughs> I didn't know I didn't this even, existed. I did not know this existed. All I had seen was the Today Show <laughs> video on it. Yeah. So that's a thing, and we have one, and you know her. And she tells her what's been going on with my kids, and she says, get them in here now. And it wasn't until a couple days later that I was able to see they had the conversation on the same day that my friend was in Fatima praying for me. Mm-hmm. And so we take our kids to Dallas. We get them um, tested. Sure enough, they have pandas. We put them on the medicine. And things started to get better. And, and I was, for the first time, feeling like, this is it. Like, God is giving us our answer. It's a whole year since he promised he's going to heal my daughter. But, like, the healing mm-hmm. is coming, right? And then that awful little doubt crept back in. People started saying, are you sure that treatment is good for your daughter? Are you sure pandas exist? Are you sure that she actually has it? Um, you know, you might be making her more sick by giving her that medicine. And, and the devil started picking at me and picking at me and picking at me. And I believed him. And I took her off the medicine. And she hit rock bottom. And I thought, we're never going to get out of this. Like, it's never going to happen. We're going to be this way forever. And... Um, and I started praying again and praying again. And at the same time, it's actually Catherine Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this story with Catherine? Kendra and Catherine and I were at a women's conference. And Catherine was talking to a woman named Sister Maria Fatima. <laughs> and Sister Maria Fatima obviously was named after Fatima. And she was on her way to go and um, celebrate the October 13th day, the day the sun danced in Fatima. And I overheard her telling Catherine that. And I like ran over and interrupted their conversation. I was like, um, you don't know me, but I need your prayers. And I didn't even tell her what they were that day. And bless her sweet little sister heart. She hunted me down through Kendra and some other friends and, and said, you know, there was this woman and she really looked like she needed my prayers and I need to know what she wanted me to pray for. And so I tell her about my kids. She takes the prayers to Fatima. And in the middle of all this, they fall apart. And I didn't even know they were going to fall apart when I asked her for those prayers. And it got so bad. And I started praying Our Lady Undoer of Knots. And it was like every time I hit rock bottom, every time I felt like there was no way out of this, we were never going to survive, I would turn to Mary. Mm-hmm. And she would just hold me close, bring me back to Jesus and say, it's going to be okay. Like, this isn't over yet. Mm-hmm. And here I had this, I had this um, message from the Lord, I'm going to heal your daughter. And then I had this miracle that had already happened, and yet I still lost trust in him. I still, and I'm somebody who really relies on God. <laughs> yeah. 
I like in a daily you have incredible faith. On yeah. a daily basis, I'm someone who's like, oh, God told me to go to Waterburger. I'm gonna go to Waterburger. Like that's how I operate. <laughs> and but in this moment, it was like I just I still fell apart. And so I um, started praying as Our Lady in of Knots. And I remember making this deal with the Lord. Now, I don't know if you should make a deal with the Lord. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> but I was like, God, if you could just pull us out of this, I will tell your story everywhere. I will mm-hmm. tell to anybody who will listen. I will give you all the glory for this. It's all yours. I'm all in. Let's mm-hmm. do this. And then about three days later, Kendra calls me and says, hey, so... Um, for mom's group this Friday, we're going to talk about mental health. Would you like to come and tell all of mom's group your story? Nobody at mom's group knows what's going on. And I was like, Kendra, no, (laughs) no. I told the Lord I would do this later, long time from now. Like when everything's all finished and done, then I will tell this. Tied up with a pretty bow. Where's my pretty bow? I'm not doing it. Didn't even have wrapping paper on it I had nothing. It was still a gaping wound. And, um, but when I realized that Friday, the day that she wanted me to speak was October 13th, 2017, a hundred years after the sun danced, I thought, how do I say no to that? Yeah, I gotta do it. So I got up there, I told the story to a room full of gasps and shock because no one knew that we'd been mm-hmm. suffering the way we had. And, um, and so much beauty came out of that day. I was able to, you know, I always tell people that like, The devil wants you to keep things secret. As long as he can keep it inside and keep you from saying it to anybody else, he has control. And on that day, he lost some control of me. Mm -hmm. Because now this was no longer my deep, dark secret. Now this was, I had a room full of women praying for me. I had a room full of women who, maybe they didn't have a child with mental illness, but they had had sufferings like this. And that God was speaking to them through this. And, And all of a sudden, that power seemed to dissipate. So, um, you know, things are getting better. My son got a whole lot better after we put him back on the pandas treatment. But my daughter just still wasn't quite there yet. Like, she was moving towards it. Because she, she had it longer. She Yeah, than, she had been sick at this right. point for like six years. Yeah. He was only sick for about six months. So, big difference in terms of healing. Um, but, of course, the longer it took, the more that doubt kept creeping back in. And I could go between... Our Lord has this under control. He is wonderful. He is mighty to we're all going to die. He has forgotten me. The world is ending. I could do that within like one day. Like my pendulum yeah. could swing back and forth yeah. so intensely. And um, yeah. And and so during this time, I'm just kind of trudging along, right? And feeling like we need something else. And the treatment had stopped working. And somewhere along the way, I realized like I've got to just give God control. I can't keep trying to grasp. I can't keep trying to hold things. And so I would picture myself laying Livy on the altar and saying, Lord, you love her more than I ever could. She's yours. Whatever that looks like, whatever that sounds like, I trust her to you. And I would just have to remind myself of God's goodness, of God's mm-hmm. sovereignty, and that he hasn't, he hasn't forgotten me. He hasn't fallen off of his throne. He's the one who made this miracle. He's not going to forget about her. And I heard a priest say that in the Old Testament, the Israelites would, would say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, as a way to remind themselves of his goodness. Mm-hmm. This is the God who did this for you. This is the God who split the Red Sea. Like, don't forget. Yeah. And, of course, the Israelites out in the desert are like, 
he's forgotten us. He's never going to come save us. And Melt your jewelry and yes. let's make another god. Yeah, let's just make our own god. And and I'm so much an Israelite sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. I that year I kept feeling like he parted the Red Sea for me. Mm-hmm. And I have this vision of, like, walking through that Red Sea with my daughter and her hand in mine. And then the next day I would think we were all going to die. <laughs> like it could just flip so quickly. But somewhere along the way I decided, you know what, I'm going to give this up to the Lord. And I did. And the doctor was talking to me saying, you know, we, there's this really expensive treatment. It's very, um, doesn't have a lot of research on it yet. It's very invasive. And it's called IVIG. It costs about $20,000 a pop. But I think it could really help your daughter. And I'm like, well, I can't pay 20000 obviously. There's right. no way that's happening. So I completely put it in God's hands. And I said, God, if you want this to happen, you're going to have to make it happen. Like, I'm not pushing for it. I'm not grasping. I'm offering it straight to you. And I was like, okay, this is how we're going to do this. If insurance covers it, this is what we're called to do. And if insurance doesn't cover it, we're going to let it go. And um, the doctor put it through insurance one time. Insurance said no. And I was like, well, we're done. <laughs> and she was like, no, no, most, most people don't give up that fast. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, we're done. This is this is how God wants it to be. We're just going to let it go. And she's like, well, your daughter's still in a lot of pain and she needs some help. And so she said, why don't we just send her back to a neurologist just one more time, just to make sure there's not like a tumor in her brain, just something else. And I'm thinking this is a pointless trip. There's no reason to go to the neurologist, but I'll appease this woman and I'll go. So we go to the neurologist. I sat across from him and bawled my eyes out. And I think I scared him. And he was like, <laughs> I don't know that I even believe pandas exist, but I'm going to try to help you. And I'm like, okay. So he orders her an MRI, and he orders her a lumbar puncture. And the morning of this MRI, I'm sitting in my bed. It's my favorite part of the story. In the exact same place I was sitting before. And I open up my phone to read the daily readings, and I screamed and nearly threw the phone because it was the same reading that I'd read two years before of the woman who brought her daughter to Jesus to be healed. And I heard Jesus say, I told you I would heal your daughter, and I'm not through with her yet. Don't give up on me. I have the chills. I remember that day. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. Oh, it was the best. It was the best day ever. And then it was the worst. (laughs) All in one day. I'm telling you, I can switch the best. And um, so we went to that MRI, and you would have thought I had been just given a million dollars. I was, like, floating on cloud nine. And I was sitting there in the waiting room and I was praying and everything was going to be so good because they were going to come out and tell me they found something in my daughter. Mm-hmm. I was certain of it. And um, we got a call back later that same afternoon and they said, good news. All the, um, the results came back and everything's fine. Everything came back normal. And I was like, this is not good news. This is the worst news you could give a mom who is desperately waiting for answers. And I was like, I sat there and I was like, you don't know what the Lord said to me today. He told me he was going to heal my daughter. Do you understand? This is not how this is supposed to go. Go look again. Yeah. Try again, people. (laughs) And I was crushed. Yeah. I was crushed because she had gotten to probably the worst place we'd ever had. Mm. And I felt like we had exhausted everything that we knew how to do. I started doubting the diagnosis of pandas altogether. I started thinking maybe it was completely psychiatric. Maybe we'd been wrong all along. And I started grasping. I was going to fix this problem if it killed me. 
And I uh, called every doctor you could possibly think of, every psychiatrist, um, to get her into a new psychiatrist. I even considered putting her into a mental hospital. I called all of them. And every hospital I called, every doctor's office I called, every single one of them was like, no, I'm sorry, we don't have any openings. Or no, our doctor left for the entire year. Or no, they're on maternity leave. It was like there were no doctors in the entire city of Austin to be had. <laughs> and it, it was just the Lord saying like, no, no, closed door after closed door, just wait for me. Like if mm-hmm. you would just wait, let me do this for you. And there's that um, scripture in Exodus where, you know, Moses has God's people and they're about to cross the Red Sea and they see the army coming at them. And he's just done this amazing miracle for them. And they start screaming and they're in fear and they're like, well, let's just go back to Egypt. And Moses says to them, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I was not still. I was grasping everything and trying to fix it myself. And he's like, if you just wait on me mm-hmm. for like a week or two, I'm coming. Like this is coming. And um, so it's been about two weeks at this point since the MRI. And the very next day after I called every single doctor I could think of, we got a phone call from the neurologist. And he's, and it was the nurse and she said, we got some more test results back from the lumbar puncture and you need to come in tomorrow. And I was like, we have an appointment in two weeks. Why would we come in tomorrow? And she says, we need to see you tomorrow. You know, doctors don't just call like that unless it's Especially like. Especially specialists. Right. They don't yeah. want to see you. Yeah. <laughs> unless no. it's like a big deal. Yeah. And uh, we went in there that day and he looked at us and he looked shocked. And he said, I don't know why. I've never seen this before. But we found antibodies in your daughter's brain. And that means that there is something attacking her brain. Mm. Her her immune system has been attacking her brain, and I think she needs IVIG, and I want to put her in the hospital next week, and insurance is going to cover it all. And it was like God had completely orchestrated step by step for us to not, not even just to have it covered under insurance. I mean, obviously that was necessary, but more for that, I think it was for my own heart. Like mm-hmm. I needed a solid answer that said I had not caused this in my child. Mm-hmm. I needed mm-hmm. somebody with real evidence to say, this is not mental health. This is not neglect. This is not anything you could have done as a mom. Mm-hmm. I needed to know it was real. I needed to see the treatment. I needed it to all come from him. And, and he did that. Like It was like this perfect puzzle piece, one after the next after the next, to say, you didn't do this. This is real. So she started IVIG. Um, She now continues to have IVIG every couple of months. And our baby girl is back. (laughs) And she's, praise God, and she's brilliant and she's kind and she's loving and she gives more of her heart than anybody. She's constantly like starting a new nonprofit or like raising money. (laughs) How many businesses have we, have our kids started in order to benefit Honduras or homelessness or you know that's just who she is and I think for a long time I had forgotten who she was it had become such a like so much a part of her life that I thought that was her and it wasn't and God is so good he's so good he showed up for me he showed me exactly what we needed anyways and and you know the beautiful thing is that well it's a difficult thing to it is that whenever you first heard him say, I'm going to heal your daughter. Yeah. 
was a years. year later, years. more, yeah. more than that. And it's all in his timeline. And it's, it's surrendering to that that is the hardest thing to do, I think. Yeah, it was all in his timing. And yeah. we never thought, I mean, I never thought we would come out of this. I always thought we would have yeah. some, this dangerous life. Um, I never thought we would be able to have another baby because who can bring a baby into a home where there's mm-hmm. aggression and anger and pain mm-hmm. all the time? Mm-hmm. And she's baby Tessa. Baby Tessa is sitting right here in my lap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like God just continues to 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 show us He's real, to show yeah. up for us, yeah. and and that doesn't mean the suffering's gone. That doesn't mean it's that I don't sometimes fall back into these old ways of right. you're gonna forget about me. But I have to just keep remembering and keep loving. So we all have these stories, um, whether you know it or not, we all have these stories where we look back and we can see that was completely the Lord. That was completely God orchestrating all of that. And that's what we want to bring you every podcast. So the next episode will be um, me getting the opportunity to share my story. And and then we will continue to bring you more stories because they are everywhere. And the more stories we hear of how he has then the greater our hope is in how he can. You guys, we're so excited for this. Yes. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see how God uses this to change people's hearts and to just show his yeah. love to all of you because, man, all he wants is to pour his love on you. Yeah. All right, friends. Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you next time. Bye. Bye.